Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Good morning. Good morning. How you guys doing? Good. Welcome. Um, almost a cowboy church. <laughs> Going back and forth between. So, welcome. Good morning. I want to dive right into the scriptures this morning. I, wanna, I don't want to fiddle around a lot because I want to get this through. I'm going to Genesis chapter 17, and then I'm going to go into Galatians um, chapters uh, 2 and 3. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us and just being so gracious to us and just being there for us, and we give you the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so um, Genesis 17. I love, I love Genesis. It's kind of the beginning of everything, right? So um, Genesis 17, verse 1 says this, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Woo! That's a fun one. Right? He says, I will confirm my covenant between me and you, and I will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make you, I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you are now an alien, I will give you as an everlasting possession. That's a long time, I think. (laughs) To you and your descendants after you. And I will be their God. So we're seeing Genesis 17 open up, and, and, and we're finding that Abraham is 99 years old, right? And God gave him a promise. Like when he was 86, he had a son, and he did it out of the, out of the flesh. He did it. He's like, I got this ideal. I'll just do it. God, I'm tired of waiting on you, so I'll do it my way. Anybody, are we the, am I the only one that's ever done that? <laughs> right? And so, so he's 99 years old, already messed up once, and, and, and now he, he's just sitting there. It's almost like when, you, when you're 99, like you think you probably it's over. Right, because he had been through all this, all this life, and all all this struggle, and all this stuff, and now God still hasn't come through to what He told him He was going to do, right? And so I think a lot about that. And when I see ninety nine, I see ninety nine in the Scripture a lot. Jesus said said that He'd leave the ninety nine sheep and go after the one if He had a hundred, right? So I see ninety nine is kind of a number. Uh, of mercy, but it's also when I see 99, I see 99 as that next step. It's like 
Maybe you've done all that you can do. You've done everything that, that you think you can do. Maybe you've prayed all you can pray. You've did everything you can do. And now you're at this point, well, I'm going to be 100. And if I hit 100, there's no way this is going to work now. <laughs> I mean, think about that. Abraham and, uh, Abram and, and Sarah had pretty much given up. Right? That's what happened when, when they had Ishmael. And, and so, uh, which is funny because Ishmael in Hebrew means God hears. Right? And so, God still was listening. God still hears. God still the, the King of Kings, even when we think we're at the end of our rope. Even when we think there's no hope, even when we think we can't go, no, maybe we feel like we're 99 and the next step, well, there's no way, it's, we're 100%. It's like, like, you see, like the clock's counting down. It's like 99% done, right? Well, when it hits 100, what is it? It's completion. It's done. He's like, man, I'm almost done. Like, I've done everything you're going to do, and you gave me this promise, and I still haven't had it. So now God's like, you know what? Now when he's 99, God comes to him and says, you know, you're 99. It looks like it's the end, but guess what I'm going to do? I love, I love this because in, in, in the no, word 99 in Hebrew is actually, let me, let me turn to that because I can't, I don't want to get it wrong. Um, 99 is tishayim tasha, which means, it's is from the Semitic root, meaning a moment in time, a pause before the next event or the next great event. Maybe you might feel like you're 99. Maybe God's given you a promise. Maybe he's given you a hope. Maybe he's given you something and you're like, you know what, I'm 99. I'm also 99% sure this ain't going to happen. Right? One, one, one more percent and we're done. The guy's like, no, no. You're just almost there. What if the next step is the step that you need for God to fulfill, where God says, you know what? You've come to the end of yourself, and now I can work. Like, he, he had given everything he had, followed God in every way, and now he's at the end of himself, and God's like, now it's my turn. Watch what this is. Like, it wouldn't be impossible enough to have a kid at 99. He's like, I'll do it at 100. Watch me. This funny about words, like I think of words a lot, and, and we're going, he's changing his name. He says, like, I'm going to change your name from Abram, which is exalted father, to father of many nations. And we see, see not very far down this chapter later, he changes Sarai's name to, to Sarah, right? And, and so God's trying to tell him, he's like, I'm going to change in Hebrew the, the, our, the name is your nature. It's who you are. And so it's really prophesying in the scriptures. If we just look at the scriptures in one certain way, we see, see like, um, like, and I believe the Bible's a written word of God and that it's solid, but, and that Abraham lived and that Sarah lived. And a lot of people, like, they're either one way or another. It's just plain, this is the way it is. There's nothing more to it, or it's really esoteric and spiritual, and it, was, it didn't really exist, and, and neither one of those is right. Right? A lot of times when you're moving a horse, you got to get their front end and, and their hind end moving, but sometimes you got their, their ribs got to bend. Right? There's got to be a middle. You need both to make that horse complete. And so the Bible is both, both, both logos and rhema. It is both right what it is, but it's also 
is spirit. And there's a lot to words that we don't understand. I, were, I went to work with a lady. She called me. She needed, she is a friend of one of our customers, and she needed help with this horse. And this horse is a big old sucker. And they had, had it in a round pen, and it needed doctoring and stuff because it had some allergies. And, and this lady gotten really... Like, she's really kind of, oh, I'm going to get you one way or another. And the horse is, like, scared to death, but he's getting defensive. And so I got, into the, I got into the pen with him, and I was like, it's the first time I've been scared of a horse in a long time. Because he looked at me like a calf looks at a new gate. And I, I was like, boy, this sucker, I don't know if he's going to eat me or if he's going to run, right? And so, so this horse gets in there, and I moved him around a little and worked with him. And finally goes, okay, I think I can trust you, and he just melts. And so she walks over, and he starts going up again because she's, like, intense. She's afraid of him, but she's intent. I've got to do this. And, like, she just has this intention, like, i got to do this. And so I stopped. I was like, whoa, 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 back off. I see what's going on here. I, I was like, just relax. I was like, like, you don't go about your regular job like that, do you? She goes, well, I can be kind of intense sometimes. And I was like, well, what do you do? And she's like, I'm a psychotherapist. <laughs> And I was like, well, that explains a lot. <laughs> I was like, you seem pretty normal to me, though. I don't see the psycho part coming out. And she's like, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not psycho. I'm a psychotherapist. And I was like, well, why would you put, describe yourself as a psychotherapist, not just be like a normal therapist? I'm a therapist, not psycho. I was like, this horse thinks you're psycho, too, right? And so, anyway, so you look pretty normal. And she goes, look. I, I, I'm a therapist. I'm a psychotherapist. I'm not crazy. I have patience. She goes, I have lots of patience. And I was like, well, you look normal to me. Listen to me. I have lots of patience. And I'm like, well, I can see you got lots of patience. And I look over at the horse, and the horse is like, see, I told you. <laughs> right? But you can see the words, right? She actually ends up, she's a really cool lady. I really like her, and, and I like her horse, too. But Words can be funny. Like, what, what, how in the world do you get psycho? Like, I'm going to go see a psychotherapist. Not me. <laughs> right? I, I don't need a crazy therapist, right? I need someone who's going to actually help me. What is that? They say marriage is, is like, mostly psych, psychological. They say one's psycho and the other one's logical. <laughs> right? And so there's a lot of different things in, in words, right? So we need to understand what words are really saying, because names mean a lot, right? So when, when Abraham is getting his name changed to Abraham and Sarah's getting her name changed to, from Sarai to Sarah, there's something more than just a name change. There's a nature that goes about it. Just like I'm thinking psychotherapist, I'm thinking the nature is psycho, not what you do. So God's like, you know what? I'm not just going to change your name, but I'm going to change your nature. There's something in you that's going to die so that you can really live. It's not what you think you are, but it's who I say you are that really matters. Does that make sense? And so now he's coming to a point, and he's like, I'm going to make you the father of of many nations. And then he says, now I'm going to establish my covenant with you. And then he says this in verse 9. He says, then God said to Abram, Abraham. Now he's already calling him Abraham. At the beginning of the chapter, he was Abram. But God's calling him Abraham. Now, when God says you're something, you're something when God says it. 
might take you a minute to get around to believing it. I remember the first time I got called pastor, I was like, who are you talking to? <laughs> right? Now everybody calls me pastor. And I'm like, oh, what? You know? Sometimes you don't necessarily believe it, but God believes it the moment that he says it. And then when you come into agreement with him, that's when you see things change. He already told Abraham, he said, look at the stars. Look at the sand. Like, it wouldn't matter out here because there's grass. Like, you look at the sand, it don't mean a lot. But they're in Israel, right? They're in a desert. So there's sand everywhere, right? There's stars everywhere. So Abraham had a visual of what God was going to do in his life. And he changed his name. And he said, this is what I'm going to do. Not what you can do, but what I am going to do. It's all about God saying, Abram, I understand what's going on. I understand that you're old. I understand that you're almost out of time, that the clock's ticking, but I'm not in time. And my promises are forever, and my covenant that I'm establishing is forever, and it's for you. And that's good news, because then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. Uh oh. Well, what is that covenant? Now comes the rules. Like there's the Ten Commandments. Not only we think of the law as the Ten Commandments, but there's like 600 and some commandments in, 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 in the Torah that you're to keep. And if you miss one of them, you're guilty of every one of them. How in the world do you even keep this, right? But guess what? This was before the law. This was before Moses, right? This was before um, they had the Mount Sinai experience. This was way before any of that. Now, now watch what happens before the law come about, right? He said, says, as for you, you must keep my covenant. You and your descendants after you for the generations. Well, what's his covenant? God done already did all the work and the heavy lifting. He said, I'm going to make this covenant. I'm putting you to sleep so you can't mess it up. And I'm going to make the covenant with myself in between the sacrifice. And it's a picture of what Jesus did for us on the cross, right? He says, you know what? You don't need to do it because I'm going to do it. I'll be, not only am I going to do it, I'll be the sacrifice. And then all you have to do is rest in me. Pretty good news for us, right? So now he's telling, he's like, this is what I'm going to do. I, as far as the, the stars are and as far as the sand is, all you can see, guess what? I, I'm going to make your seed that. And I'm going to bless you for everlasting and everlasting. But this is your part of the covenant. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household and brought and brought and yeah, and brought with money from a foreigner. Those who are not your offspring, whether born in your household or brought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any circumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. 
for he has broken my covenant. And then he goes on and he says this. So God also said to Amram, as for Sarah, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarah. Her name is to be Sarah. I will bless her and surely give her a son by her. And I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. And so, and Abraham, now, now watch this with circumcision, though. He said, this is the covenant you're going to keep. What is that covenant? One covenant. One thing he gave Abraham. And do you know what that was? Circumcision. He said, this is a sign. You're going to cut the flesh off. That was it. Like, it, is, you guys got the same Bible I'm reading today. Was there anything else added to here? This is the covenant I'm going to make. This is what you do. You're to be circumcised. I love that. Remember when Joshua went into to, um, they went into the land of promise and they crossed the Jordan River, and the first thing they do is like it's a swollen river and they get across. There's no way of getting back across unless God parts it again, right? Not, not the only Red Sea ain't the only thing God parted, right? Gets across there and he's got enemies all in front of him, a raging river at the back. And do you know what Joshua says? You know what? We got to circumcise these boys before we can go any further. What was he doing? He was disabling his entire army so that he could do this. Why was he doing this? Because of this. Because it was a sign of the promise. It was a sign that God was bigger than their enemies. It's a sign that we don't live by our flesh, but we walked in the Spirit. That's what he's saying. I don't want you to live by your flesh. I want you to walk in the Spirit. And so, so he's, he's setting them up and he's saying, Abraham, it's not about your flesh, it's about your heart. All this stuff passes away. Everything you're going to see here, these chairs, this building, all this. But our spirit, that's the part of God that we're made in his image. We're going to live forever. And he's like, I don't want you to wait till you get to heaven to live from your spirit, from who you really are. A lot of us think that we're someone because someone told us or something. Maybe you grew up and someone said, you're just rotten. You're no good. You'll never make it. You're, that's not who you are. You're made in the image of God. But sometimes we believe that. And if we believe that, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to start acting that out. And God's like, I want you to cut that off. I want you to cut that flesh off. I want you to cut that identity and find your identity in me, right? And so he changes. He's, he's telling him. Now, Sarah's name's already been changed once. It started out as Yitzka, which was to see, according to the rabbis. And then it went to Sarai which is to be blessed with divine inspiration. And then it goes to exceedingly, exceedingly beautiful and, and to behold. And so I love it. Ever hear, well, that was inspirational, right? We have inspirational music. You inspired me. There's a lot in words, Right. Desire. You, know, you hear the word desire, and we're like, well, what does desire mean? It means like it's, it's that thing that we have inside of us. But, but the word desire comes from a word that's D from sire, the father, from the father, right? So, so you see these words, inspirational, inspired. What does it mean? In spirit. 
It's spiritual. It's not just about the flesh. It's not just about what you see. And God's trying to tell him, I don't want you just walking by the flesh. I don't want, to want you just walking by what you see, hear, taste, touch, and smell. I want you to walk from the spirit. I want you to see with the eyes of your spirit. And so he changes your name. And then, then it says, Abraham fell face down. And he said, thank you, God. I believe you so much. You're just so awesome, God. Thank you for, 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 for this. No, I didn't. You know what it says? It says, Abraham fell face down and he laughed. He laughed. You ever laugh at God? He tell you something and you're like, yeah, right. Yeah, that's, that's going to happen. And it doesn't say he said to God. It says, and he said to himself. If he said this to himself, how'd it get in the Bible? Like, I, I wonder stuff like that, right? Why? Because God knows our thoughts. He knows what we're saying to ourselves. You know, we talk to ourselves a lot. And you can tell a lot about what you're thinking and where you're going to go by how you talk to yourself. What is the stories you're telling? When we look at the past, um, psychologists, psychologists, whatever, the psycho ones, they, they say that only 50% of, of our past we remember accurately anyway. But here we're trying to to be logical about stuff, trying to think about stuff, and trying to tell ourselves about stories. Well, this happened in the past, and you're only 50% right probably anyway. So now you're making yourself up a story. Well, I know that happened, so if that happened, then this is going to happen, and I come from this. And so you're making up a story, and then you're telling yourself a story and convincing yourself that what happened in the past is going to happen in the future. And now you're worried about your future in the present because of half right? Something that happened in the past, right? Instead of just changing the story and saying, you know what? How about instead of what I think, how about I start thinking about what God said about me? Who am I? What is God saying about me? What does God want to do in my life? What are his promises? He gave us a bunch of promises. Like, just grab one of them. And then change the story. This is who God says I am. That's why he changed their name. He changed their nature. He changed their story. He changed their self-talk. Because in his self-talk, he said to himself, Will a son born of a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said, said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Now what he's, he's got this mindset that it was only because of what he did. It was only because of the flesh. God's already told him, he's like, this is my covenant. We're going to cut the flesh off. And I want you to live inspired, in spirit, in your heart. I want you to trust me. And already he's got this story. It's got to be Ishmael because it's what I can do. Are we only doing what we can do, or are we trusting God for what he can do in our lives? Do we trust our ability more than we trust God's promise? And that's where Abraham was at. If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Now, remember, he's (laughs) saying this to himself. God ain't supposed to be hearing But it says this, then God said, yes. He said, yes, but your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. 
I will establish my covenant with him and an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Now, Isaac means laughter. He laughed when God gave him the promise, but he laughed because he didn't believe God. But now when the baby's born, do you know what he's going to do? He's going to laugh. He's like, wow, God, you did it. I can't believe I got it. We went on the roller coaster thing, this little toboggan thing. Like everybody's like, like, oh, that's going to kill you. And I was like, I love roller coasters, so it don't scare me. But it, they, you see people like, oh, you're not going to make it. And so people be like scared, and so they'll laugh when they're scared. And then when they get off, do you know what they're doing? Because they lived. If they didn't live, they'd close the stinking thing down. Right? So you know there's a pretty good chance you're going to live, right? When they get off, do you know what they're doing? Ha, <laughs> that wasn't so bad. I can't believe I made it through that. It wasn't that bad. Right? They laugh. Really, when we're desiring something, what we're really desiring is the peace and that feeling that that thing gives us. Like, I want a new car. You want the new car? Yeah, it's a cool car, but what really do you want? You want that feeling you get when you got that new car. Look at my Lambo. Like, you're wanting that. Why? Because you want that feeling. That's what he's wanting. He's like, I want my son. I want this desire so bad because when I get this desire, I'm going to be fulfilled. God says, no, I don't want you to wait till you get the desire to feel fulfilled. I want you to live in that right now. So he says, before you even get it, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to change your nature. I'm going to change your name. I'm going to change who you are. So now you're not living for, you're living from. That's how God is. God is. He's not going to be, and he's not was. He is. He's not running up here and saying, hey, I'll talk to you when, I, when you get here. He's with you every step of the way. So he's telling Abraham, I'm going to do it because I'm God, and I'm with you, and you are. He already is calling him the father of many nations. He didn't wait till Isaac was born. To call him that. And that's where, where we find our peace is when we're living in the promise. You know what, Father? I'm just going to praise you. I will enter his courts with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his gates with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord, what is the Lord? I am Yahweh, yud heh vav I that I am has made. Not, I'm going to be. I'm thankful. I'm praising you because I am. Jesus said, let the weak say, I'm in trouble. Right? He said, let the weak say, I'm strong. Let the poor say, I'm rich. Right? Because God's the God of now. Yeah, he is there in your past. And he's going to be there in the future. But the only thing we really have is right now. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Right? Made me think of Galatians here. Going into Galatians. And Galatians is a really cool chapter because uh, I love how Paul really is working with, with the Galatians so much because they had these Judaizers come in. Now, what does Judaizers mean? It means they, they, a, a lot of the first church was predominantly Jewish, right? 
And so, the, but the Judaizers come in and said, look, you just can't, being saved by faith through Jesus is not enough. Now, you've got to get circumcised and you've got to keep all the law or this doesn't matter at all. And so Paul, he, he breaks it down to him and he says this, when Peter came to Antioch, I was opposed to him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in the hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter, in front of them all, in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? So what was happening here? They were coming in and they were like, you know what, you've got to be circumcised. Now why, why would, did they feel so strong about that? Because they read the Torah. They knew in Genesis. They knew where God said, this is the covenant that I'm going to make with the Jewish people. It's circumcision. And then they had the law, but it was getting to the point where they're like, the only way you can be saved is because you do this. So they took what what they believed, and they couldn't believe that the gospel was so so big that it would include the Gentiles and it would be something about, it was about circumcision, but it wasn't about the circumcision of the flesh, it was about the circumcision of the heart. Now that's a big difference. So like they were trying to take what God did, they were doing the same thing Abraham did, where he said, can this be Ishmael? They were trying to hang on to Ishmael and God's trying to give them Isaac. He's like, he's trying to give him Jesus, which is even far greater than, than Isaac. He's like, look, I got something better for you. I got something that's greater for you that you can even imagine. I don't want you living by the flesh. I don't want you living by your due. I want you to live by my who. I am who God says I am. I am a son of the Most High God. Not because of what I do, but because of what God did by sending His Son, His only Son, whom He loved to die in my place. That is the only thing that I need. Now, as a Jew, it doesn't mean that you're not going to get circumcised. It just means that you're not going to get circumcised to be saved. Does that make sense? My salvation only comes through the finished work of Jesus. Now, because of that finished work, you know what I do? I live out of my spirit. Why? Because I cut the flesh off. The fruit of the spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness. All that. He says, against of all these things, there's no law. Why? Because you've cut the flesh off, and now you're not living by the flesh You're living by the Spirit. You're living inspired in spirit. Like, I'm so inspired. Like, you wake up. It was like, like you're not inspired? Get a promise from God. Live out your spirit. Quit trying to do everything in your own power and trust God. 
And that includes saving yourself. So if the fruit of the spirits, love, joy, peace, what is the fruit of living in the flesh? The opposite. It's the opposite. So how do you know if you're inspired or if you're trying? Like can we all, it's like we go back and forth. Like we step here, step out, step here, step out, step here, step out. You know, someday maybe we'll just step in and just stay in the spirit, but that'll probably be the day that we step out of this body. Right? But when God sees us, he sees us as righteous, as holy, as complete, and he makes us new, right? We who are Jews by birth are not Gentile sinners. Know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. He made it pretty plain, didn't he? So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by our works. No, it don't say that. No. By what we do. No. Justified by what? By what? By, I couldn't hear you guys. That was by faith. faith in Christ. And not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. Whew. There's some strong words. Everlasting covenant, no one will be justified. If while you seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. You know what he's saying? That was me on the cross. He said, look, I'll take all your flesh, all, all your sins, all your sicknesses, all those things, and I'll take the curse, and I'll become the curse for you, and I will die for you, and because I've died for you, you're dead. That's covered. That's done. Whoever sins has to die. You died already. You died on that cross with Jesus. And he says, you died with me on the cross, and now I'm going to live in you and through you. And now you can have life. Not just when you get to heaven, but we can have life right now. That's the promise. If he's in us, he's not just giving us life. He is life. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives where? In heaven? Long ways away? No, where does he live? Does he live there? Yes, he does. But he also lives where? In me. In where? In me. I didn't say that. The Bible says that. Christ in me, the hope of glory. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then I, he, he ties it up, this chapter up with the bow. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be 
gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Ooh, Paul wasn't holding back here. Not at all. He's like, and this is a dude that was a Jew of Jews who knew the law backwards and forwards. And he's saying, man, I'm free. And whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And by the way, God changed his name. Changed his nature. And he, you can see the new creation that had become. And that's all he wants us to do is realize, you know what? This, this is the covenant I'll make now. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Good news. Amen? So, Father, thank you for your word. We love you, and we praise you, and we just give you thanks for who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www dot silverlakebaptist dot o r g